hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, the Kentucky dynasty is dead. We are on to basketball season. It died a sad, sad death in Knoxville. At the hands of who? At the hands of your guy. Somebody you owe an apology to, sir. I do. I will get to the apology later. We're, of course, going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Deep South's oldest rivalry, a.k.a. the Dog Crap Bowl. We're, of course, going to talk about Mississippi State, Bama, and everything that went on in the SEC yesterday and some long-term implications of it. Before we do all that, as you guys know, got to talk to you about Ticket City real quick. They are, once again, our partners. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. All you're going to do is you're going to use that promo code CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off of your tickets right now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or for later in the season. Get your tickets now on Ticket City. Maybe Ticket City helped save you some money over the weekend when you were going to uh, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. That was a hot ticket in Georgia, as we know. Big time uh, atmosphere that you got to experience all of. How was Georgia? Connor, do you know that fireball shots are only $2 in a college town? I have heard such a thing. I have atmosphere heard. was great. It was, um, <laughs> it was great. We, uh, and, you know, and the Bud Light was free. We'll get to that later. It was, it, I had a blast, man. That's why, again, you know, you know I just say it every time. It's my favorite rivalry. It was really cool. Um, got to see a bunch of old friends and meet some really, really fun fans. I'll tell you guys some stories a little bit later, but it was great. The game itself started off great, and then as Auburn kind of does when it's between the hedges, it just fell apart, and it turned into a convincing Georgia win, 27-10. And Deshaun Davis was not so happy that Georgia decided to go for a little fake field goal with our guy, <laughs> Rodrigo, hot rod, blanket chip at the very end. Didn't convert it. Oh, she probably should have converted it. Uh, but Deshaun Davis had a great quote, uh, said that it was a bullcrap call, to paraphrase Gus Malzahn, which bullcrap, dog crap, whatever. Was it, thing. though? Was it? Was it? I don't know. A um, trick play? I'm sorry, Auburn. Was that tough for you to watch? Kirby's response to it was a little bit weird just because he said that uh, he still felt like it was a close game and it had to scheme ways to score. It wasn't comfortable yet. I mean, um, well, he wanted to go up by three scores, not by 20. Exactly. Right, yeah. I don't know if Kirby's math was and very good. Also, if you're Auburn, like... I understand it. You want them to kick that field goal because if they miss it, then you can run it back 109 yards for a touchdown. I get it. You know, it just doesn't always go that way. I mean, it was like a 25-yard kick, but... You never know! Yeah, with Rodrigo, you know. Um, this this game was a big coming-out party once again. Coming-out party is the wrong way to say it, but... It a, was, yeah. Yeah, no, let me... Okay, let me, let's just rewind. Pretend I didn't say that because everybody knows DeAndre Swift and everybody knows what he's capable of. We've really seen it the last couple of weeks, but again... A nut, just keeps one-upping his best games of the year. He is peaking at the perfect time. He That run that he had at the end of the game where he just took off. He got to the second no level. No one touched him. And it was – there was an arm tackle, I think, at the first – at, like, you know, five yards deep. And it was like, what are you, you going to arm tackle DeAndre Swift? That the only like person that's going to arm tackle DeAndre Swift is DeAndre Swift's dad. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And he did that's the throw slash. Point. I was so hyped for that. That was awesome. Yeah, his, yeah, dad, I mean, is, uh, his dad is awesome. Yeah. He has – um. You know, he's had over, he didn't have a single game this season with over 100 yards rushing before the bye week. Last three games, all against ranked teams, over 100 yards. He's averaging 9.9 yards a carry. In that stretch, yeah. That's, yeah. that's 
it's pretty good. We're seeing the home run playability. This is somebody who going into the bye week didn't have 24, a rush longer than 24 yards. And all of a sudden he's bested that every single week. He became the first Georgia player with two touchdown runs stat. of 75 plus yards in a season. You know since, who the other one was? Since a guy named uh, Herschel Walker. You Ever heard, heard of him, him. dude? Um, I don't need to say Walker. Uh, everybody knows that. But uh, I thought, so Swift takes over in this game, and he looks like the guy that we picked to win SEC Offensive Player of the Year, playing really, really well, no doubt about it. But I thought the key play in that game was that fourth down touchdown throw to Terry Godwin. That that moment at, that, at the end of the first half where Jake Fromm hits on just a little quick slant, and it was like the Red Sea opened up yeah. for Georgia. And that yeah. was a big-time call on fourth down. Jim Chaney basically you know, kind of dunked on Kevin Steele. Can we say that? Uh, I mean, Georgia's, like, rushing offense dunks on everyone apparently now. It was like they had nine yards of carry every single time. It was they, like Georgia last year. It really was. They ran the ball 46 times. 46 times for 303 yards. And, again, this is like what we thought was the strength of the Auburn team was that front the seven, Georgia that D-line. Oh, yeah, no, no, the, the Auburn, Auburn team, team. stopping. Yeah, and I know yeah. they got gashed a little bit against A&M, and they haven't been as great, um, I think, for most of the season. But, I mean, this is the second game out of the last three where they've rushed for over 300 yards. Second game in a row, Kentucky and, go, and Auburn. And go figure, Georgia's line is really banged up right really now. Really banged up. It makes no sense whatsoever no. that all of a sudden they're clearing pathways. I mean, Andrew Thomas has been banged up all year, and Lamont Gilliard goes goes down at the end of this game, and they lose. I think it was Kendall Baker also went down in this game. But Georgia's offensive line just looks like it's playing at a different level right now. And this is Georgia they're really kind of – yeah, they, they're wearing people down, and, and that's what we saw. And having a couple of healthy backs certainly helps. This is three straight games now that Georgia has won by three scores against a ranked team. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's Not crazy. Not too shabby. Not yeah. too shabby. They, I mean, and, you know, the things that were all an issue, you know, after the LSU loss that everyone was freaking out about with Fromm and how bad he was on third down. They were 8 of 14 last night on third down. They had two more touchdowns. You know, they had, like, all four of their touchdowns against Florida – we're on third down. Right. So that's obviously improved. They've, they've um, I think they've completed, what was it, 57% of third down conversions in the last three games. Like everything they've done yeah, outside of goal and to go situations right, has right. been dominant. Yeah, they, they are they are certainly doing a lot of things that we expected them to do coming into this doing season. Too and much. Get, getting a pass rush, too, I think definitely helps. Yep. That, that was there last night. I, I thought it was another reminder of. Not to, not to pour on Gus Malzahn, who had a great quote after, um, well, not after, but during the game, where I don't know if he really said this. Oh, my god! I don't know if he said it. You can lip-read all you want. It looks like he might have said, what, what was it? They can't fire me? They better not fire they me. They better not fire me. I don't want to necessarily assume that's what he said. It looks like he might have said something to that effect. Let's, let's <laughs> just, from a logical standpoint, because I... <laughs> I assume that's what he said. That's everything that I had seen posted on social media. And, you know, when it, when it all kind of came about, like we were driving home from Athens. So I posted something and immediately it was met with, you're an idiot. He said fine. Or like there was even one guy who, who every word that like I think everyone kind of assumed he said, he had a different word for it. And I was like, nope, this is not a mad lift. It's not, <laughs> nope, not even close, dude. It was like the head order on uh, against the subtitles thing. But uh I think that's exactly what he said. I don't think he said fine. A lot of Auburn fans have been arguing that he said fine. You know what? If he said it, he said it. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. And you know, he didn't say fine. From a logical standpoint, when do SEC coaches get fined? This isn't the NFL. That's true. That's true. Um, and I mean, he did get the vote of confidence coming into this game. 
you know, which take that for what it is. There's still people who are, ironically enough, talking about whether or not this this buyout is going to be a thing. But uh, Kirby Smart makes the in-game adjustments and gets past an Auburn team that, as we know, last year during the regular season, eh, it took it to Georgia at Jordan Hare. But Georgia asserts its dominance. You got to witness all of this stuff. You had a fun little time uh, in Athens yesterday. What what were some of the? You got some some pretty good stories from this, didn't you? My God, I mean, it's my favorite place, my favorite campus in, in the SEC. And we got up there really early, uh, like I said, and <laughs> was like tailgating, trying to figure a place to set up like the Facebook Live. Got lost on East Campus because I was trying to show Allie. It was the first time she'd ever been to uh, an SEC campus, and I promptly got us lost. Nice. So we were like on East Campus, we're checking out tailgates over there, um, and it's like 10.30 in the morning, and I'm talking to a couple of Georgia fans, and, and in between pulls of Maker's Mark, again, for breakfast, not by me, but by this gentleman, you're talking about um, Georgia, like famous Georgia games and like their celebrations afterwards, and he's like, oh man, I usually don't come to games, because uh, I like to stay at home, celebrate with my ARs, and I was like, pardon me, what was that? Say that again? And, uh, yeah, he meant it. Yeah, he meant AR-15s. He just, after Georgia wins, he just goes out on his balcony <laughs> in his underwear and just, like, I guess holds the ARs, like, over his head, like, ah! <laughs> yeah. This yeah. guy is a, this and then, guy's then a he, walking like, I was, like, looking at him, like, shocked. And he goes, I don't shoot him. And I was like, then why do you have him out? It was, that was incredible. Um, I also lost my wallet. I had, I, I went into, like, a meltdown mode, like, early afternoon. We took an Uber from there to one of my friend's house off Millage, um, check out a tailgate, and I left my wallet in the Uber. And then, like, just kind of had a meltdown. So I was, at one point, <laughs> the, the host of the tailgate goes, hey, could you grab me that club soda and see if it's still good? And I unscrewed the top and smelled the bottle. That was a low point for me. That was not my best. Everyone noticed. That was, that was, a, that was a bad one. Um, no, but it, we saw, we met some really cool people. My favorite of the day, we met these four law... Uh, for law students, UGA law students, they were all wearing matching sweatshirts. And I was like, so you guys go to law school here or what? And he, the guy got really awkward and like looked away. He's like, no. I was like, what, what just happened? He's like, all right, like, we're all like over 30 and we uh, work in sales in San Francisco. We just wanted to see an SEC game in person. Nice. So we came here and bought these so we'd fit in with co-eds. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> it was creepy but respectable. Um, they were awesome. They were, they were my favorite, favorite group of the day. We met like three different groups that had like made bucket list trips, like guys trips from New Jersey, Chicago, and um, San Francisco to watch That's an cool. SEC football game for the first time. Hey, man. It was a good time. And again, fireball, man. $2. $2. Dang. Dang. I'm impressed. Oh, wait. Um, last one. Actually, you know what? I'll, sh- I'll share this one later in the, in the show. You sure? Connor, yesterday when I was interviewing fans for this video with Bud Light, uh, I asked a guy at this house-divided tailgate, George and Auburn, it's a husband and wife. I asked him if he would go on camera with his wife, and he comes sprinting over, like Ultimate Warrior style, from across the tailgate. And as we're about to start, he's like just raring back, and he's like holding the, the Bud Light. And I'm like, so we just need it as a prop. You can just open it. And I can see he's about to shotgun it. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, all right, well, just like I'll intro this whole thing. Just pace yourself, sir. And I look up, I look up, and his buddy goes, Tony, stay hot, stay hot. And I was like, oh god, something's about to happen. <laughs> and as soon as the camera goes on, I was like, so I'm here with, doesn't say his name, just bites a hole into the side of the Bud Light can, promptly drops to a knee and shotguns it, slams it down and walks away. And I was like, <laughs> and his wife goes, I'm Melissa. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> 
So yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Also, I want to give a big big shout out and congratulations to Mallory Blunt and the Georgia Bulldogs. There's a look in someone's eyes when they're about to shotgun a beer. There is a very distinct. They're going look. to a place. They go yeah. into a place where they say nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's move on from that. Let's move on. Uh, Mississippi State and, and Alabama, a game that we, we thought was going to be pretty lopsided. And go figure, Vegas, pat, pat yourselves on the back. 24-point spread. I don't know what the final line was. It got down to 22.5. Got down to 22.5, and, and Mississippi State loses this game 24 to nothing. So I guess Mississippi Goal State doesn't stand. cover. Goal line stand. Bad beat. I mean, a lot of bad beats. A lot of bad beats in the SEC. A lot of bad beats, Connor. Well, uh, we'll get to more of those, more of those a little bit later. But I thought the takeaway from this, as much as we were going to talk about Alabama throughout the season and, and, and you know the defense and how they've really grown and, and matured, and the fact that this unit has now put together back-to-back shutouts, first time that they've ever done that against ranked opponents in consecutive weeks, all that stuff, all well and good. Tua's health has me worried. That's four straight games that he has at least favored his right leg in some way, shape, or form. I know that Saban said afterwards, he's fine. He's okay. He could have gone back in the game. He's getting up really slow. Really, really slow. And it's not just one thing, like one instance where, okay, he's scrambling and it hurts when he slides or something. It's last week against LSU where he's doing the cel- He does a little jump celebration where he gets maybe six sheets of paper in the air and he comes down on it a little bit funny and he tweaks it. It's getting sacked by Willie Gay Jr. and then the very next play throwing a pick. It's getting group sacked basically by Mississippi State and Ooh, taking a like shot to the quad. That. that was a lot. Yeah, sorry. That was that could have gone wrong very, very quickly. I don't like that but genre. All these different instances that come up. And yes, this was he got sacked as many times in this game as he had all season combined. Four no, sacks. That's not true. Took. They had five going in. Uh ESPN told me four. So whatever. Well, you know ESPN. Fake news. No, they are not. Um, <laughs> no, it was, but, it was five. Because it was the fewest in the SEC. Right. So, basically, Saban tried to say that he was just banged up. I am thinking more and more that there's something... I mean, this is just a nagging thing, whatever it is. And if you're a Bama fan, you're holding your breath every single time. Every time. You know I'm not in good enough physical condition to hold my breath a lot. This is true. Um, okay, so last week, we talked about... Bama and who could possibly beat Bama, and you told me I was, I was being too objective, right? I'm saying, well, we were talking about that. We we're talking about a healthy tool. We weren't talking I, about. I'm just, I'm letting you know right now that did that happened, and I appreciated that. that. So what's going to happen here? Because I, 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 I saw social media yesterday. I'm just going to give you unfiltered Uncle Chris in these responses, um, and I'm still going to try to not be biased about it. But here's what I think is going on with Tua. He's got a nagging injury, like a like a probably a torn meniscus. That isn't super serious. A lot of people also, play through a torn meniscus. It's very yeah. common now, but you're right. It, it could be something to, to that extent that he would have surgically repaired in the offseason. It's one of those pain tolerances. Right. That's everything ahead. I was going to just say. But yes, right. exactly. Um, but also, here's here's something I think. And I've, I've thought this for a, a while, and I've only I've only said this to Allie. Uh, and then one of, my, one of my buddies, a big Bama fan, brought it up last night. And I'm just going to throw this out there. What if two is soft? He comes you know, up limping a lot, a lot, and we've, like, I, I love him to death. He's a great quarterback. He, he's an absolutely fantastic and elite quarterback. Probably the best quarterback in the country. However, 
is he a gamer? That's I mean, like he's he's not gonna be he's unflappable. He's, he's not gonna get like phased for the most part in any game. We saw it in the national championship game. We saw it several times this year. I, I don't try. I don't doubt his like mental toughness. His physical toughness, I I have a lot of questions about. He gets up slow a lot. He hurt himself sliding against Missouri, and then you know then comes pops back out of that tent. If you're hurt, you're hurt. But if you're not, you need to you need to play four quarters and stop getting up slow. Because here's the thing: it's not like he's been beaten up all year. Jared Garantano has been destroyed. destroyed. Like yeah. his offense line is terrible. Like Tua has had the least amount of sacks in the entire conference. He had five total sacks. It's not like he's been running for his life or taking late hits at all. Yesterday he did. Yesterday, I don't, I don't know. I saw the final stat lines that Mississippi State had three quarterback hurries. I, like, that seems very far off. It's like they're in the backfield all day. He, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. What if Tua's soft? I'm, I, I like that you made this point because I'm not going to sit here and say that somebody who's taking hits in the SEC and taking hits from that Mississippi State defensive line is soft just because coming from where we're sitting right now in the comforts of our own home, yeah. that sounds like a terrible take. But I will say for the very first time, that thought crept into the back of my mind watching yesterday. So it's not a terrible where, take. Right, where if he's, if he's dealing with something that he's still able to play through, I mean, unless, like, unless we find out at the end of the season that two has just been playing on a torn ACL and he pulled in Elijah Sindel, oh, the I'm Purdue be, quarterback, I'm gonna feel real bad. <laughs> then I'm going to feel real bad. I'll feel really, really bad. But if you, if it's, it's a natural thought. It's a natural thought to think, if this guy keeps playing week in, week out, either he's playing through something or the pain is maybe it's just the shock factor and the fact that he just, he's still a guy who's learning how to take a hit. I mean, he's I think there's a guy that also comes that. from a, a pretty big background of being in like seven on sevens and throwing the ball. And, and like, I'm not sure if he's taken a bunch of hits. We don't see, like, and they, they do their best to protect quarterbacks. Now, we don't see, he's, I've never seen him get ear hold or like, you know, have his helmet popped off and then get back up and go into the next play. I mean, second and 26, but, you know. He got sacked. He didn't get it. It wasn't a bad hit. It wasn't a shot. It was a you're sack. Right, he right. should have gotten rid of the ball, just like he should have several times yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it, so it, I, I mean, mean, at some point, like, I, yeah, like I, I would. I'm not doubting that he's in like any kind of pain or he's hurt because he definitely is. And I, I said a couple weeks ago to like one of my buddies, whatever he has that's hurt, it's one of those things that isn't serious enough to like have him out for the rest of the year or even a game or so. But it's one of those things that is nagging enough to where it's not going to be healed without rest at the end of the season or surgery. So he's going to have to get through the last five games. What about this? Would you sit him against the Citadel? Yep, in a heartbeat. And I, I hopefully Mac Jones will have more than negative one-yard passing on three completions, which seems right. impossible. Which Jalen Hurts is, is clearly not right yet. He's the emergency, emergency, emergency quarterback. Well, how did, he when did that, that happen, game. by the way? That happened against Tennessee where he had the, the – Saban called it that as well, minor procedure where he had surgery right. right after the game, basically. Nobody really knew about that. It was like, oh, wait – Jalen Hurts has had had ankle surgery in the middle of the season, and nobody's really talking about this because he's not needed yet. But seems like a yesterday, bad time for that. Yeah, that's it's not an ideal time for that. But um, I think this is still something to, to monitor moving forward. It's now gotten to the point where until we see Tua complete a full game where he doesn't at least favor his right leg, this is a legitimate storyline that's that's worth watching. And I don't think that we're making too big of a deal by wondering if this once in a generation player is right going into the home stretch of the season. Well, I mean, and look at like the the plays that he's hurt himself. Like yesterday is the first time he's gotten beaten up in a game. Right. But the plays he's like really noticeably hurt himself. LSU. He ran for forty something yards in the end zone, and then where he got hurt was when he jumped up to celebrate with his like the receiver, and then came down on the leg. 
What? <laughs> like, you just Martin Grammatica yourself? I mean, I, I don't know. Let's, like let's talk about the game. Yeah, the um, game itself, I, I thought the... Okay, so Mississippi State fans, I threw this out on Twitter. I threw out the video of how horrible of a block in the back call that, terrible, that was. Terrible that call. Canceled out Kylan Hill's touchdown. Should have been a touchdown, no question about it. The delay of game thing was a late call, but whatever. It still was, in my opinion, the correct call. Uh, the fumble, fumble that wasn't... Um, Having, having said, okay, Mississippi State fans have every reason to be frustrated because I, I never say this. I'm never this guy. This guy frustrates me on Twitter. That's a different first half if those calls are made. And that's a big what if. I understand all that. That's just the, the tempo of the first half. I'm not saying Mississippi State wins that game or whatever. But when you're on the road and you're at Alabama and you're not getting those things your way, Mississippi State is just not good enough to overcome that. That's just There's no, no way around it. No one is. Yeah, and it's not exactly. because of the refs. It's 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 not. It's, it's because of Alabama. Yeah, right, right. I mean, they shouldn't have to overcome that in the first place. He, but here's the thing. And I'm like, you're right. Like that was the fumble call. I thought that should have been reviewed. The block in the back was terrible. The, the ref was not in position at all to make that that call. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. And of course, Bama has no penalties. What I hope happens for the rest of the year is that. There's no targeting called against an opposing player against Alabama. That Bama gets at least twice as many penalties called against them as miss, or as any other team they play does. It is this is a team that for the last two years, the last two years, their opponents have finished in the bottom five of the entire country in penalties. Alabama, Alabama's opponents have finished in the bottom five of of uh, penalties per game. Like, it's not like Bama's just skating by because of all these calls. Mississippi State was 1 of 13 on third down. Yeah, Mississippi State shot itself in the foot. Don't get me wrong. Where Nick Fitzgerald is sliding on third down, you had the muff punt when it was 14 to nothing, and that could have been a potential game changer. And there were mistakes made in this game that Mississippi State did not help itself on. It dropped passes. Nick Fitzgerald had negative 23 yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win when that happens. Just plain and simple. what, What I don't understand at this point is... I get it. You're right. It's a different first half. It is. And in the second half, looked. It was. A, ugh, that's like the only part of the game I got to catch. And it looked terrible. Bama's offense looked bad. Didn't move much. And that's a really, really good Mississippi State defense. It's a really good Mississippi State defense. I just, at this point, it, it's every week there's a different narrative or excuse as to why Alabama is not only beating people, but dominating people. Because the refs, because they don't play anybody. I can't wait to see the creative stuff that's going to come out of the imaginations next. No, was, I mean, it's, it really is like, this is a team that they had 169 yards of offense. Nice. Nick Fitzgerald, who's the all-time leading rusher in the SEC, had negative 20 yards rushing. And you go 1 of 13 on third down, they won the turnover battle. Two had two turnovers. We made a 49-yard field goal at one point. This still, though, for the, the Bama conspiracy theorists, this game was, was not good. I mean, for, the, for, James Carvel, for James Carville, who was obviously you know, adamant that, that the SEC is... is you know, I, I'm not a believer in that, but this game did not, not help. No, it didn't. Argument. It didn't. But I would be also more believable if they scored a point. I know. Oh yeah, or absolutely. And they, and they should have had. You know, they should have had the touchdown, but right. taken off the board. Whatever. I don't want to spend too much time talking about you know Bama conspiracy theorists anymore. But Bama still wins this game, and now Bama back-to-back games where they shut out a ranked team, and the resume just keeps getting better. Bama, in my opinion, as I've said, still has a loss to give. Yeah, I think that that might be at this point. Yeah. So. A team that doesn't have a loss to give, uh, well, they they acted like they did. Poor Kentucky, man. The hangover, the hangover was real Ugh. on Saturday. Kentucky, credit to Tennessee because Tennessee showed up ready to go. Jeremy Pruitt said afterwards that was the most physical game that they have played all year. They looked like they were ready for a 60-minute fight, and Kentucky looked like as soon as it lost the SEC East, 
it just checked out. That was a, a frustrating result for Mark Stoops, who credit him too for taking responsibility after that loss, saying he did not have his team prepared. That that was all on him. Benny yeah. Snell called out teammates and said, if the guys don't want to be here, they don't have to be here, all that stuff. No, but we literally this, have to be here. We yeah, rode the you, bus you, together, Benny. You kind of got to be here. Like You, you still got two more games that you got to play. But um, I, I thought a lot of things... A lot of takeaways from both sides of this. What was what was your maybe your biggest takeaway just from Kentucky? I mean, for me, it was like watching like one of those like movies where like some like, like recovering addict is like got his life together and everything's good. We got this. Like you can do this. You got a job. You're on the right. You're on the right pace, man. Everything's trending up. And then it's like oh, how how long till he self destructs? And the answer was November. He just showed up to Knoxville unshaven, just a little booze on his breath. Thanks a lot, Kentucky. He did it again. In Kentucky's defense, it is basketball season. Let's not I mean, forget that. Everybody was all focused, was all sad about Kentucky's big loss to Duke the other night. And, you know, the hangover was probably just more so from that than it was from Georgia, right? I just don't understand. The only thing that confused me about this game, because statistically, they didn't play, I mean, they didn't look good at all. Um, but, you know, they did the, the things, like, I mean, if you, Terry Wilson went what, like, 23 of 34. Yeah, but not very efficient. No, his QBR was 17. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I think what happened here, they came out a little bit flat first off, but then that Hail Mary at the end of the first half was the, that was the back Huge. That was dagger. Yeah. Big just big time totally play dejected. from Big time play from uh, Jared Garantano. And I thought I was watching uh, SEC now at like 1 in the morning like I always do, and uh, Dari Noka made a great point about how not enough guys just give their the receiver a chance in the end zone. That was a perfect Hail Mary throw. And yeah, you could say it was lucky whether or not, you know, whether or not Marcus Callaway catches that nine times out of 10. He still, Jared Garantano at least gave him a shot. So many guys just throw it through the end zone or they show it, they throw it to the full, yeah. like the five yard line. Just throw it to the end zone, man. Like that's that's your one job in that scenario. You should be able to hit a 10 right. yard stretch of stretch of land. And that's right. that's what he did. And that, that was a huge, huge you turning ask point yourself, in that game. Is Tennessee the best Hail Mary throwing program in college football history? I mean, the answer is yes. I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna I, say what no. really confused me about this game was the the rushing attack from Tennessee just woke up. Apparently, that's what Jeremy Pruitt loved. Though he said this was this was the physical this was the physical brand of football that he expected to see from this right. team. Jared Garantano didn't turn the ball over. By the way, he set the Tennessee record for for passes without an interception. 143 was the previous record. I'm, I'm hats off to your guy. Uh, who finally showed up at home and played a big-time game. Credit to him for doing that. So but, uh, only thrown an interception one game this season. Isn't that weird? Two against Florida. It's weird. It's weird. That's, Can't wait to see these power rankings. Oh, he's, he's going up. He's going up. Don't worry. Um, Terry Wilson will probably not be going up. He's probably still, <laughs> he's probably still at number 14. Rest in peace, the Snell Yeah Heisman campaign. And just in case it wasn't dead, I, I think that kind of killed it. Kentucky now is just... Uh, a team that off, uh, offensively, they're just they're just not good. I mean, no. let, let's call it what it is. They run well, they for 2.2 2 yards of carry. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been good, and the defense has sort of masked a lot of those issues. But I think no, nobody thought that they were going to come back in that game. It was when yeah. it, when they made it 24 to nothing. It was yeah, forget about it. I know CJ Conrad had the, the touchdown to make it a 24 to seven game, but over. nobody thought that Kentucky was going to no. come back and win. And, that I mean, game. it was and, you know. Can, uh, Congrats and tip of the cap to Tennessee's defense, man. They played really, really well. Really, really well. Here's what I don't want to happen, though. And we talked about this going into the Georgia game and how if 
if Kentucky loses, if Kentucky were to lose that game, that confirmation bias would set in, and I think it yeah. will. And we're we're talking about this before all the polls come out and stuff. And what I don't want is for people to say, "Oh, Kentucky is who we thought they were." Well, I mean, they're still having their best season in four decades, regardless yeah. of of the fact that they just lost a game that many expected them to win. And you know, this is still such a memorable season to end the streak against Florida, to be mm-hmm. able to at least host a division title game. All those things are still true, regardless of the fact that they laid an absolute egg against Tennessee. And maybe maybe we shouldn't even be saying they laid an absolute egg because Tennessee is getting better. Tennessee's absolutely getting yeah, better. Yeah, but you're right the now. number 11 ranked team in the country, and you're coming. Yeah. you you still this is this is a team that looked really bad against Charlotte last week, and I get you're going on the road. It's, it's tough to get back up with that that emotional win, and I think a lot of those wins for Kentucky probably took a lot out of them this year because they're not used to this kind of success. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way, but they're just not. It's a fair um, point. But yeah, it's just they should have won this game. I think everybody hated to see it outside of Tennessee fans. But yeah, but hats off Tennessee fans. That Jeremy Pruitt coach of the year thing is looking pretty good. Hey, but it's it's interesting. Now Tennessee is one win away from bowl eligibility. Got a very favorable chance to be playing in the postseason. Jeremy Pruitt steal SEC coach of the year award from Mark Stoops. <sighs> Who posted that on Twitter? Um, Did you post that? Remember that whole thing <laughs> the Florida fans freaked out because I didn't put Dan Mullen's name and I put Jeremy uh, Pruitt's name? Yeah, yeah, um, okay. No, I think my favorite thing from this, though, was last night when our good buddy, Danny Cannell, oh, made it, came back at me about the comment about um, ACC football. And he's like, yo, I wish we had matchups like this and screenshotted the score of the Tennessee-Kentucky game 24-7. And I was like, and he was, he was in reference to, or clapping back at me about Miami and Georgia Tech, and I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, where one of the teams is ranked? That was my favorite part of the day. I've I'm actually liked him for most of the year, but I think once it's turtleneck season, it's a different Danny Cannell. That's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. South Carolina and Florida, the Will Muschamp Bowl, the Spurrier Bowl, this game was wild. South Carolina jumps out to this 31-14 to lead, and everybody is patting Will Muschamp on the back. It looks like just, just a dominant performance from Jake Bentley and all these questions about Felipe Franks are, are resurfacing and, and wow how far Florida has fallen and then Florida just storms back and wins this game was down was down by 17 late in the third quarter and, and comes back and, and scores what was it uh, it was 21 unanswered to, to win this game and there were a lot of different things within the game to take away and Florida, once again, like it did at Vandy, showed that it could come back and win a game, which credit to, to Dan Mullen as well, because I think, in, obviously, in the Jim McElwain era, they, they probably quit and they, they folded up in that game. Well, and that pregame speech that Dan Mullen had about that was weird. racing each other in suits and having arm wrestling matches. That's what yeah. I, I think we'd all like to see an arm wrestling match at this point. Let's settle down, Cousin Eddie. Let's, <laughs> let's take it easy. Um, <laughs> Just take it easy, <laughs> So, you know, we could talk we could talk a lot of, we could probably talk a lot about Muschamp and how, you know, his conservative style at the end of the game really cost South Carolina and defensively they just got run all over. Florida oh ends up rushing for what was it like 360 yards or something. Whew. I mean, that's that that obviously can't happen especially for a defensive-minded coach. And South Carolina finally, you know, starting to lose some close games. They were potentially going to be three in a row. But the the bigger takeaway to me was all this drama with Florida. Because during the week, I'm over Florida. Florida's like a 17 year old teenager, just full of like emotions and hormones. I just don't want to deal with like just so up and down. Just go to your room. So Felipe Frank scores his first touchdown of the game and hushed the crowd. <laughs> he hushed his own crowd. Hushed his own crowd, which 
I can't say I see that very often, except if you're talking about people, you people know, in a Florida third uniform. Third and one, fourth and one, where you're trying to quiet them down so you can hear like the snap count. Right. Not like that. Nope. Lamical P. Ryan, also, hush the crowd. Uh, Felipe, then on a second touchdown. Did you call him, hold on, did you call him Lamical? P. Ryan? <laughs> Lamical? Did I call him? Oh, Lamical. I called him Lamical. I'm sorry, I'm reading this. I'm reading this. I, I, my mind is my mind is in a different place. Where's it at? Uh, LP, the LP. Been so distant. I know. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so the the what happened in the first quarter was weird, and we're gonna talk about yeah. this more later later in the week because we're gonna bring Luke Del Rio on just to kind of explain his side of this because this whole thing is just bizarre. Greg McElroy and Dave Pash, the ESPN announcers. In the middle of the first quarter, start talking about Luke Del Rio's tweet during the week, which was questioning whether or not Dan Mullen would lose the fan base if he started Felipe Franks, to which Felipe Franks responded with a thumbs up. So a couple things here. They mentioned this in the middle of the first quarter, which tells you they discussed this in production. Right. This was something that was going to be thrown out there. And to me, that's a red flag. That's a big time red flag. That this was a premeditated thing and it came off as somebody within Florida saying, hey, we want to kind of shed some light on this. Florida's playing this up like it's this us against the world thing. And so Greg McElroy, a former Alabama player who has been asked to criticize Alabama, who Alabama fans have been and upset does. with because he's been critical about. Right. So they then criticize Luke Del Rio, say that he deleted the tweet, which he did not. The tweet nope. is still up there as Luke reminded us on Twitter again. And they say, you don't need that. Why, why, why is Luke Del Rio tweeting that? For those of you who don't know, Luke Del Rio is someone who is obviously trying to, he, he's doing his own thing with the dropback. He gives unfiltered opinions. That is what he does. He is basically a member of the media now. He is not paid to say great things about Florida. It is his job to try and provide as much insight and give his opinions in any way, shape, or form. So, I say that because Florida players obviously don't understand that. The, qu the quote after the game was <laughs> strange. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson said this. It's and tough this was, to read. I wish we would just have the video of it. because the I know. This was, via, this was via Mark Wheeler. Um, so this quote was, Luke Del Rio is in the past. So he's speaking on a team that he really didn't have nothing to do with. When he was here, he wasn't no leader. So he can take it how he wants it. He can blog about me. Luke doesn't blog. He can blog about my team. But at the end of the day, when he was here, he didn't do no different than anyone else was doing. That's a weird if, sentence. I know. <laughs> if he's got comments, he can say it to everybody's face if it's a problem. But other than that, he's not a part of this team. It's a new standard here. Uh, new guys, new chip on the shoulder. We're ready to go out there and continue to win. So... Here's my thing. Chauncey Gardner, does he know what a blog is, first off? No, no. Um, that, was, that was confusing. The, this, a lot of it itself was confusing to me, but the part that jumped out most to me was where he said he didn't do no different than anyone else was doing. If he got comments, he can say it to, to everybody's face if it's a problem. That mindset is so, one, immature, and two, like... I, I don't, how does your mind jump to that? Like, because in the next sentence you talk about, like, it's a different standard. That's what Luke was referencing. That's what a lot of the media has referenced. Yep. It is a different standard. So why are you not playing up to that? Yeah, so Luke doesn't have an axe to grind either, which I think is a common misconception. Florida fans just think that he hates Florida. If you actually follow Luke <laughs> during a game. He always says we. He loves Florida. Yeah, he says we. He roots for Florida. So I, I don't really get that. But 
Um, this is just one of those things where fans want a former player to still be treated, to still act like he's one for all, all for one. And Luke has just been critical. He's been critical of the fan support and questioning whether or not they have too high of expectations for quarterbacks, which he can attest to. He's experienced this. So he, Luke, to me, is, is speaking on on his experience of what he's done. And he doesn't necessarily just do this for the heck of it. I mean, I, I think he everything that he says, he says because he has a point to it. So well, yeah, I, I, I found it weird that... Go ahead. I found it weird that they that they brought this up. This, this, this felt premeditated. And for Greg McElroy... To come out and say we like, why are you doing that? He's trying to Luke. Luke is trying to do a very similar thing to what Greg is trying to do, and he's trying to be impartial, and he's trying to say, look, this this is where I've been, and this is this is how I'm going to speak on on behalf of the team. Yeah, I played for him, but Greg played for Alabama. Is Greg just never supposed to say anything negative about Alabama? No. So I think I think the wrong way to go about looking at it is, like, I I, I didn't view this as like defending trying to defend Luke. At all, because when I read it, I was like, "This is just so dumb. Like, this it makes no sense." It's really dumb. Um, it's more so about like the the response to either like a journalist or a media person. Um, and I'm, I wasn't really that like put off by what McElroy said because when they're down fourteen zero, and I kind of thought it was one of those things where you're first off you're trying to fill up three and a half hours of time, and if it's already fourteen nothing, and this is a team that got boat raced a week before, part of me thought he was trying to go into like a, a defending mode for Florida. Like, you know, they don't need this right now. They need, you know, support or whatever. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. The whole thing though is it's just he's he's wrong. I mean I'll just say yeah, point blank. Like Greg Greg McElroy is wrong for that. I he can come on here, I'll say it to his face. He he's wrong for, <laughs> for saying that. I, I don't care. Like you got a problem with that, Mac? Will you come on here and say it to everybody's face? And and I, I would say that if it was if uh, I would say that if it, if it wasn't Luke, I would say that if if it was anybody. But to me, the, this Florida has turned this into like this us against the world type thing. Which yeah, is that's bizarre. that was my thing. That was my takeaway. Florida has treated this like the fans are doubting them and they're they're hating on them and all this stuff. When every time they win, Dan Mullen says the crowd was great. The crowd was incredible. The crowd's done this. The crowd's done that. You're you're a Florida quarterback. You're you're a big time college quarterback. If you disappoint and lay an egg and have awful games, you're going to get criticized no matter where you're at. Why why in the world is is you know Felipe Franks not understanding the fact that people are going to be critical when you're in a big time program? This is what you signed up for. And if, by the way, if you guys want to play in the NFL, good good. Good night. I mean, forget about it. Like this, this is just the beginning of, of, of people being critical yeah, of you. Yeah, life's tough, so, like, man. Life, life, life is life's tough. tough. And I tell you what, like, and I, so I this when I saw this, when I first read the quote, I didn't realize it was even about Luke. So I was like offended for a, a different reason. But like you know, as like quote unquote engagement editor as at SCS, it's a lot crack. of times I'm yeah, a lot of times <laughs> you know I am like reading like comments and feedback and stuff like that, and it's it's on the internet. It's not always nice. The internet's not a nice place, man. It's, it's not like. So for you to get so grossly offended by it, you know, I get bothered all the time by stuff that people say, and, and I think that's partially normal. However, at some point, if you're a college athlete, if you're a, a grown, a, becoming a grown man, you have to look in the mirror and realize how much of what they're saying is true and how much am I being sensitive about instead of being like, yeah, you know what? I do need to get better. Because here's the deal. You just got your doors blown off by a team that's five and four. I'm sorry. Missouri, that hadn't beaten a ranked team in over four years by 21 points, right? And then you just had to have come storming back down 21 points to a team that's 5-4 and four, that you've, well, I think they were 12-2 and two against this team at home in the past 14 seasons. And those teams were both at home 
and you looked you looked terrible. You looked terrible, and it just I don't understand why why there's no there's always a, like people try to hold the media accountable, call them out for bad takes, call them you know old takes exposed, all that kind of stuff. But there's not as much accountability. Like, what Felipe Franks instead of like hushing the crowd, your post game interview. I gotta play better. I gotta put the team on back. Be a leader. Yeah. Be a leader. And you know what? Thank God they came storming back because otherwise it would have been the second straight year where they had to pay Will Muschamp eight hundred thousand dollars to beat them and then complain about it. I think that's all. That's all perfectly within the. I, I'm not gonna hate on fans for for being critical and no. and all that stuff. And I, but I think players need to do a better job of just understanding that when you lose games, like this is just kind of the reality of of big time college sports. So what, let's let's move on from that because I'm sure many people are sick of hearing us talk about about a, a story and non-story, whatever you want to call it. But uh, one big takeaway from each of the other three ICC games: Ole Miss and Texas A&M. This this game was was also bizarre. A&M. Uh, has the the scoop and score uh, early in the second half, and my big takeaway, or yeah, yeah, um, A and M fumbled, Ole Miss recovers, scoop and score, long touchdown. Apparently, after those first two turnovers in the in the second half, Jimbo Fisher legitimately thought about benching Kellen Mond, and he said he said after the game, he said he looked into his eyes and he saw that <laughs> that hunger, whatever it was. Uh, maybe he was. Look into my eyes. Maybe he was thinking that Kellen Mond was going to shotgun a beer or something like that. He saw that. <laughs> he had that crazy look in his eye. Yeah. Uh, and then Kellen Mond comes out and dunks all over the Ole Miss defense, as many people do. But credit him for being able to respond late in that game and sort of restore the faith that Jimbo Fisher had in him because you lose that game and it's three in a row and all of a sudden, you know, Nick Starkle is, you know, just, just getting a little bit closer to maybe shredding the Bieber shirt and getting into a game. I mean... I just, for me, I think, thank God, what a sigh of relief that he was not benched against Ole Miss. Can you imagine? Can you Ooh, imagine that's a quarterback being benched against Ole Miss's defense? That's a low. Sorry, Coach, shouldn't have it today. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I mean, this game, I didn't get to catch much of it. Um, Trayvon Williams went off like we thought he would. Uh, he continues. Got going late, especially, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, my biggest takeaway um, was, you know, that, that whole 13-and-a-half-point spread um, really, really would have liked Ole Miss's defense to just not give up that long <laughs> touchdown run in the last two minutes of the game. That was my takeaway. Kellen Mond's stat for you. Um, when he completes 62% of his passes, Texas A&M is 6-0. and When he doesn't, throw in four. That's, I mean, that's bad. That was bad. That was uh, Jordan Thomas, by the way. Stud. Killing it. But still, uh, 373 yards passing, still only one touchdown. Yeah, it is strange. They had some red zone issues. I think. I mean, he had the fumble in the red zone, um, just just kind of struggling to. Yeah, he doesn't run that zone read. Uh, he, he runs it decently well for like like eight out of ten times. But then like those other two, it's like, oh, what are you doing? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, but A and M is able to to win this game and, and get back on track. Uh, Vandy Mizzou, big takeaway from this one. Another. We had a lot of comebacks. In the SEC on Saturday, where you, the favorite all of a sudden had to rally late. Maybe they're just looking ahead, um, thinking that that it was going to be an easier matchup than it was. I, I don't know, but Mizzou storms back against Vandy, and my takeaway from this was so and this is dangerous. Mizzou clinches a postseason berth. I think Barry Odom is safe now. Yeah, he should. I mean, so let's take a step back, and I think I brought this up last week. Missouri is five and four, right? Six and four, six and four, six and four. Okay. So, and this is 
I understand that like they didn't win these games and a lot, you know, it, a lot of it was like their own fault. But you look at this season, they lose to Kentucky on a, a pretty um, questionable uh, pass interference play at the very end of the game. Um, I think that probably should have been win for Mizzou. The other loss, South Carolina, in like the two, they had two separate hour and a half rain delays, and they had a they had a fifty seven yard field goal with under a minute and forty five seconds to go to put them ahead, and still somehow had that collapse. And it's you know, and credit South Carolina, credit to Kentucky, but Missouri is like two two close wins, and one of them was taken away from them from being eight and two, with their two losses being to Bama and Georgia. And and still, even with those those close losses. They can still finish the season with nine wins. Yeah, and they also didn't have Emmanuel Hall. They like for most of that. It, it is. It's a weird season. It's in a way. It's sort of resembling what they did last year in a different context, just because different offensive coordinator, different midseason injuries, all that stuff. Drew Locke was playing without Albert O yesterday as well, and Emmanuel Hall. Emmanuel Hall only had twenty. I think he had twenty-two yards receiving in this one. And it wasn't Drew Locke's best game, but still able to come back and have the go-ahead touchdown run. His 22nd uh, birthday. And he said he felt like he was 25 after the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there, guy. But how about um, Kyle Shermer, though? How about Vandy? A little credit to them. Credit to them, but, man, after that four, after they got stopped on fourth down on that goal line stand, it was the wheels came off. And that's the second time where they've blown a double-digit lead uh, in what would have been a nice intra-division win yeah. uh, that they just did not get. That's that's frustrating because Vandy, on if they the win that game, if Vandy wins that game, all of a sudden, you're thinking postseason is, is definitely possible because Ole Miss at home and then Tennessee at home, yeah, those, you know, Vandy will still be underdogs, will still be an underdog in both of those games, but all you got to do is win one of them, and now they would have to win both, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, they could get to five wins and their good old APR is going to help them out. That would be so ironic, um, but probably not going to happen. So Barry Odom, I think, is safe. Take away from LSU and Arkansas. You, you know what? Hold on. Hold the phone. I'm proud of you because I thought the first thing out of your mouth about that game was going to be Red Mamba. It wasn't, and I, I was, held myself back. <laughs> you didn't say it at all. He's good, man. He is so, really, yeah, like, really good. I hate good. that nickname, and, and we, I texted you as soon as we were done recording from the last episode because I was in the car and driving around Atlanta, like, listening to Atlanta Sports Radio, and, of course, like 30 minutes afterwards – they referenced some Hawks bench player whose nickname is also Red Mamba, and I was like, oh, my God. Trademark pending. This is going to be a thing. It's like Lil in rapping. Anyway, um, I, yeah, like, it, it was he's – really, he's really impressive. Like, he, Our, a lot of times he didn't get touched, but he averaged 12 yards a carry. He's versatile, too. I, yeah, if he doesn't go to the NFL – if he doesn't go to the NFL this year, he's going to be one of those. He, he'll, he'll show up in some preseason All-SEC ballots. At least he should, in my yeah. opinion. And, you know, um, if he doesn't go to the NFL, at least he has a decree from Vandy. But, that's true. What, I mean, that's yeah, true. He's, a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Chris Doring said on uh, SEC Now that even when Drew Locke was there as well, that, he, that Keyshawn Vaughn, best player on the field yeah. Yeah. in that game. Kind of hard to argue with that. LSU and Arkansas, a game that made Ugh. Vegas very upset. Uncle Chris was not happy about this. This was strange because... We've seen this before. We saw it with Todd Gurley a few weeks ago. We saw this with Todd Gurley a few weeks ago. I'm going to get there. Don't worry. Where he kneeled with, while, you know, in that game, the Rams had the lead, and he kneels at the five-yard line, whatever it was, so that they could run out the clock and win the game. Basically, if he goes down, the game's over. All that. Do you know why that was a big deal, though, real quick? 
Because what not only game, would they have covered the, the, the spread, like the point spread. They would spread, have covered the over-under. And the over-under. And it yeah. missed it by, by a half point and a one point in both. It was one of the so, worst beats ever. So with LSU winning by a touchdown in this game, the spread, what was the final spread of this? Was it 12 and was 13 and a half, Connor? The spread was 13 and a half, and they were up by 21 going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, so Nick Brissett has a chance to make it a four-point game in the final minute. And what does he do? He decides that he's going to kneel at the five-yard line, which doesn't really make much sense in that spot. You could just go into the end zone, and you should feel pretty good that your team isn't going to allow two touchdowns. I understand if it's a situation like the Florida LSU thing, where if it would still keep it a one-possession game, that's one thing. So he does that once, and then clearly, clearly, Ed Orgeron's like, no, we need to get this touchdown. It goes a lot better for me when I can make my... My booster's happy, covering the spread a little bit, just saying. I, I think that was in the back of his mind. So he sends the, sends the offense back out there again. Instead of kneeling it, they run another play. And then again, he kneels. And, you, and he finds, or doesn't kneel, but he like backs down and like doesn't go into the end zone when he could have. And then Coach O's like, all right, you need to get it. Get in the end zone. That was more Chris Berman. Um, That's fine. He's like, you need to get in the end zone. And then he doesn't. So LSU ends up only winning this game by a touchdown. We don't get to see uh, LSU cover the spread of this one, and, and people are not happy on the internet. Okay, so here's the thing, and this is what bothered me the most, all right? Um, I thought this was like the lock of the week. It should have been, because it's not just the fact that, he didn't, that Nick Brissett didn't go in. I didn't realize that had happened, because I was still on my way back from Athens, and I was pulling off 14th Street, downtown Atlanta, checking my phone when I shouldn't have been, um, and I was like, oh, good. I know they just gave up 14 points somehow. I, I have no idea how. But they're going to score. Surely they're going to score, right? They're on the one-yard line. There's like a minute and nine seconds left. And then it just says final. And I was like, what in the world? But the issue, the real issue I had here was this: the first three quarters of this game. So Arkansas finished with 216 total yards, Connor. Do you know Story how many of, of that came in the fourth quarter? I'm going to guess 75% of it. 151 yards. Yeah, so 151 yards. Ty Story. It just, it's just, I mean, a big old dosa irony for me. Coach O lost to Ty Story, or didn't cover the spread. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty upset about this. I will say the one thing that made me feel better about it was shout out to our follower here um, and listener of the pod, Ryan Tilly, who was in New York and at 1, I'm sorry, 12.30 in the morning, yesterday sent me a video of him and his buddies at some bar and story of a girl came on and they all sang <laughs> story of a hurl that was the only thing that made me feel better about about the uh picks against the spread yesterday now I've luckily i didn't put that. any money on on the sec picks because i couldn't get to my phone in time when i was in athens but it was still pretty frustrating on the predictions uh real quick my most popular tweet ever in the history of my yeah. time on twitter was the I, I did a little video of the um, the Arkansas botched what was it? It was supposed to be a, maybe like a jet sweep uh, yeah. pass. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but basically I think it was Rakeem Boyd. I, who do you I, I can't remember who he ran into, but Arkansas players just crashed. I did a video and I said uh, in quotes, Arkansas, describe your season in one play, and then yeah. Arkansas this. And that tweet, as I'm looking at it right now, 1,500 retweets and 4,700 likes. I you had a great weekend, ever, Connor. I don't think I'm ever going to get that that, that many uh, that that much Twitter love. So thank you. Well, if you. Good thing somebody posted it and retweeted it from the SDS account with all those 200,000 followers. You're welcome. Thanks, pal. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Getting all upset about me stealing your stats. <laughs> 
Coach O, do we have him? Is he? Uh, we were in a fight, and he showed up this morning. I haven't spoken to him. He's been trying to smooth things over with Allie. Um, He's been chilly. He's been cold. It was cold out I don't there. care. I don't care. I mean, that, that point spread last night. You know how dumb I look right now? I, mean, I, I think he tried year. his best. He tried no, he his best. Yes, he did. He set it back out there. If he would have tried his best, set. he would have gone out there. He would have ran the play. Good point. Yeah, but Good that's point. fine. I mean, we're... <sighs> Coach. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll talk about brunch in a second. Just get in here for the interview, please. I'm over it. I just told you to come in. Don't have to knock. I'm, I'm sorry. I've been really, really grumpy today. How you doing, Connor? I can't really imitate you today, so I guess I'm not doing so well. No, no, not that way. Anyway, listen. Last week we switched up. Switched up my thing song. And we hit the climb. You know what it we get? It's the slide. Okay, okay. Chris don't like that. Now, a lot of people kind of say we had a, we had a big old hangover game. All right, we had a hangover. You had a hangover, Connor? Once or twice. That's it. I didn't specify a time range. Oh, a lot of people. A lot of people ask Coach O for advice during the air talk. How you get rid of a hangover. Okay? So I'm going to give you a couple of reasons how to get over a hangover. First of all, tomato juice, Bloody Mary. Stupid. You ain't put no vegetables in your vodka drink. Uh, some people say pee light. I ain't no baby. Never babies. I ain't no baby, Connor. Agree. Uncle Chris loves him some Pedialyte. So does Peter Burns. Yeah, well, I don't I mean me and Uncle Chris ain't seeing eye to eye right now, okay? That's true. To That's quote true. a goofy movie. Uh, sometimes I go out, what I do, right? Instead of getting that Pedialyte, I let it go out in my pee roll and just dump my head into the, into the swamp and just drink that sweet nectar of the gods, swamp water, okay? Just hold my breath for hours at a time. Hours. Sometimes I do the old-fashioned way. I, I, I like to, what I call, yell it out. You got a headache, you yell it out. Like the same way you got a fever, you, you know, you want to sweat it out. I just go to the garage, yell as loud as I can. What you looking at, Bambi? That's what I say to my deer heads. They're sitting in my man cave. What you looking at? Just yell as loud as I can. Uh, some people say sleep. I ain't slept since 2009. They say sleep with one eye open. I've never closed my eyes in the last 17 years. Uh, I'll tell you the best way. You want to know the best way, Connor? Okay, cool. I'm nodding my head. You, you, told me, you told me not to interrupt you, so I'm sorry. I... What I like to do when I'm hungover, I like to get home, light a couple candles, keep the lights down low, watch a good Law & Order marathon. Best show. Best show on TV. That's a fire take. Yeah, I, I mean, it pretty much is. Um, other thing, there's something Chris taught me. Can't get hung over. He just keeps staying drunk. Happy game day. Also, though, Chris ain't talking to me right now because that's spread. So that's your, uh, that's your air talk for the weekend. We go, I'm going to see. I guess I got to buy brunch today. That's my fault. Yo, good day, Connor. Wow, All thanks. right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Coach. Um, you are paying for brunch today. Definitely. Yeah. I think he's paying for everybody's brunch today. Also, how long can you hold your breath underwater? You say for hours at a time? He's not a human being. Let's just no, let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah. He's not a human being. Speaking of Coach O disappointing because he didn't cover the spread, let's guess some week 12 lines. Cupcake week. Well, these first are tough off, because let's give a shout out to our friends. Speaking of oh, hangovers, let's give, you know, 
My bad. Um, we we got to talk about hangovers. That, that was the easier segue. My fault. And I'm, I'm not having one today because I didn't get to enjoy the sweet, sweet nectar. You know, that wasn't the swamp water Coach O talked about, but the sweet, sweet nectar of Bud Light that much yesterday because I was handing them out all day in Athens. So You had a remote in your other hand, right? What's, I was, so there's a picture that I actually was holding Texas Pete and Bud Light in my hand at the same time. It was a great day for me. But um, it was like one of the rare times I wasn't holding two Bud Lights in my hand. That being said, this episode of the SES Podcast is brought to you by Bud Light. Fewer things go better together than college football and an ice-cold Bud Light. We were in Athens yesterday. You know, what goes better than college football and Bud Light, Connor? I don't know. It's like hot seats and Gus Malzahn or bad haircuts and Kirby Smart or Thanksgiving dinner and awkward silence after my mom asked why I haven't given her a grandkid yet. Anyway, few things go together better than those two things. Um, We've been working with the fine folks at Bud Light for many years now. They do amazing stuff with college football fans. Uh, Like I said, we went to Athens yesterday, got to meet some fans, hand out some free Bud Lights. We will also be doing a a little tailgate tour to close out the season. We're going to the Iron Bowl in a couple weeks, going to the SEC Championship game in Atlanta the week after that. Uh, Saturdays are better down south with Bud Light. Bud Light celebrates college football and reminds all fans to enjoy the game and drink and tweet responsibly. They really remind fans to tweet responsibly. I mean, that's that's more of a me thing. They said directly <laughs> say, to me. They were like, "Chris, that's definitely you. another thing you got to do." Yeah, Uncle Chris, you did not have the best weekend, from what I heard. No, so Uncle Chris, Uncle Chris has made money and had a winning record every week of this college football season. In the SEC, nope, not my best against the spread. I had, uh, I think I was like on our picks that we have to submit on Wednesday. Um, very early in the week, I was like, end up being like one in five. So that was bad, just for SEC picks. Real bad. Uh, however, you know, I did have Carolina pick to win straight up. So that was the one I got, at least they covered the spread. But yeah, a lot of bad beats this past weekend. A lot of bad beats. And then the Bama game ended up being a push. So that was pretty frustrating. But yeah, I mean, I've made a big, big bet on Ohio State. That went over very well. Um, yeah, so I, I had a good weekend. And I, I won... I think I ended up being finishing the weekend six and zero because of the because of the maction, crushing the maction always helps you. Yeah, you, you you do really well with with maction. Let's get some week twelve lines because this I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw it out there. This is gonna be the toughest week to guess lines. This is the worst this, week of the year. I've been dreading it for for a while. Fun fact: I'll actually be at a wedding next Saturday. One of my good friends uh, get married back in Chicago. I thanked her for no. I actually haven't. I thanked cannot her believe you're announcing this. Um, but she she got married during Cupcake Week, and I actually had um, one of my like one of my best friends who um, he sent me a text a couple weeks ago and was like, "Hey, I'm getting married this date next year," and because I'm going to be standing at his wedding, and he says, "Is does this date work for everybody?" And the first thing I see is November, and I'm like, "Crap!" And then I realized, oh. It's also Cupcake Week, so my friends just get married Cupcake Week every year, and they don't have any interest in SEC football, so that's pretty cool. It's yeah, I mean, I, it's not. It's I mean, fall weddings are the worst. Not so bad when they're when they're during Cupcake Week. Just saying. I mean, they're still they're still pretty bad. I'll be honest with you, but yeah, I mean, that'll be fun. I I missed a wedding um, for one of my best friends uh, two weeks ago, and also for my best friends last year for football season. Uh, I wish it would have been for Cupcake Week. Maybe that would have been a better excuse to Probably. miss it. But um, yeah, this week sucks. It's the worst. There's only, I think like last weekend might have been the only weekend where we had every single conference team playing a conference game. Uh, probably probably was, because there were no bye weeks. Right. Yeah. yeah uh, and then sense. this week has just become, over the past few years, like, I guess, rivalry week, warm up. It's, oof. It's just so like we a, won't, a walkthrough. 
we won't guess uh, with FCS. There won't be spread for FCS opponents. And I'm blanking on which one of these are, so are FCS. Here's and the FBS. ones that'll have a that'll have a line. There's I, I, I think out of the total eleven games, five of them will have a line, and that is Middle Tennessee State at Kentucky. Let's start with that one then. Okay, go ahead. Don't sleep on the Blue Raiders, as we always say. But Kentucky is not going to be as big of a favorite as we would have expected. Um, I know that Middle Tennessee struggled against the likes of Vandy and Georgia earlier in the year, but I think Kentucky's only going to be like an 11-point favorite for this. Yeah, um, is that home? Middle Tennessee State hasn't been bad necessarily. Uh, they haven't been good, so this one's going to be kind of tough. I, you know, they're seven and three on the year. They've played, I don't know, decently well against teams. Kentucky is favored on the ESPN FBI um, or predicted win by seven or 87 percent. But I will say this line will probably be about 14 and a half. It's like 14 in the hook. Seems high. I mean, yeah, it probably is, but I, I'm just so dead inside, like even thinking about this week of football. <laughs> it's rough. It is rough. We're going to make it through it together, though. Um, okay, next one will be Arkansas at Mississippi State. So the first thing you got to ask yourself is how much money is Nick Saban going to pay the refs um, to help Arkansas out? And then after that, what do you think the point spread would be? I'm going to say like five grand per call. You can afford yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's fair. That's not bad. You can swing that. Like um, that. Let's say uh, Mississippi State is going to be favored, as we know. Uh, I think just with that the Mississippi State defense, they're still going to be favored by, let's say, I might be a bit ambitious here. I'm going to say Mississippi State is favored by 13 and a half. Okay, they're at home, so I could see that. I think it's probably a little bit more. Um, I mean, Arkansas is what two and eight. They are five, four and one against the spread. They they haven't have they played what, good on the road. I don't know. They're not averaging that many points. They're averaging like twenty five points a game, and Mississippi State's defense is legit. So I am gonna say, and if they can get pressure on on uh, Ty Story, Story yeah, then it's it'll probably be a long day. I'm gonna say around. 19 and a half. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Mississippi State, by the way, can still get to nine wins. Just just saying. Just yeah. saying. What did in you the say? Postseason. Oh, God, here we go again. In the postseason. What if did you I say about uh, being, Kentucky? What was it? Where's the line for that? Oh, i got to write these down. Uh, I ended up saying, uh, what did I say, 11? 11. Um, okay. Yeah, we're, we're going to just table that. And if that, was, if that was different than what I just said, then just hedge and yeah. just take the consensus. Call you out on Twitter about it? Yeah. Um, so the other one, this is a 3.30 game, game of the week. Missouri at Tennessee it is a 3.30 game on CBS. Kicking off in Knoxville. What do you think? This is the best game of the week. Yeah. I mean, that uh, both teams are, are playing well right now. Uh, I mean, well, I think I mean, that Tennessee old Miss game could be exciting. Yeah, I mean, I was just more referencing the fact that Mizzou is coming off a two-game SEC yeah. winning streak, which Agreed. we know is a big deal, so... I think that Mizzou is still a slight favorite. Um, I think tight, though, because the Tennessee defense is going to keep that spread low. I'm going to say Mizzou is favored by three and a half. I like that. I just, since they've been so bad on the, on the road, I'm going to say it's one. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee's favored. Wait, Mizzou's been, Mizzou just killed Florida. Yeah, outside of the last game, but that I mean, over the past, 
over the like. Recency bias, you know, kind of shapes lines in in many ways. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying over a, a big sample size of Barry Odom's mm. career as a coach, he has not done well on the road. So I, I, I think Vegas might might also factor that in. Because um, otherwise they, well, anyway. Uh, let's see, next one. UAB at A&M. UAB's like the sleeper Cinderella UAB's of the year. Nine and one. Yeah. Nine and one, go figure. Uh, I remember last year at this time, uh, Florida played UAB, and I was like, I think UAB's going to beat Florida outright, and then I think Florida <laughs> won the game by 40. Um, UAB's much better this year. They have a dragon for their mascot. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. Uh, A&M will be favored. That much we know. But I think that this is still... A&M's going to get maybe 16, 17. Is that too much? No, I think that's probably about right. I'm going to say... Um, 16 and a half is my guess. 16 and a half. So I was going to say probably around the same. I'll say uh, 15. Because, I mean, they're at home and they should... You know what? I'll say 17 and a half. They... They're going to be at home. Um, and UAB, these are two of the best teams against the spread in the entire country. UAB is 8-2 and two on the year against the spread. So there's that. Uh, but, yeah, it's A&M. They're at home. I would assume that they would, uh, they would probably have their peak favorite by a lot. Uh, let's see. The last one that I think will have a line, Ole Miss, Ole Miss at Vandy. So You know I what? Hold on. I'm going to say 14 and a half. 14 and a half. You're going down. Yeah. Way down. Ole Miss and Vandy is interesting from the standpoint that I think Ole Miss, we, we try to figure out when can their offense get going and when can't it. And Vandy's defense is good enough to keep them at bay for a little bit, but Ole Miss should still be a significant favorite in this game. We know that Vegas is over the whole, oh, they stayed within five points in Notre Dame thing with Vandy. So I think that Ole Miss is a... Six and a half point favorite in Nashville. Um, okay, I don't disagree with that. However, um, I don't. Ole Miss has not looked great the past two weeks in terms of finishing games. Um, Vandy had like oh, uh, Vegas has been high on Vandy for most of the year, except for last week against Missouri, which was like befuddling to say the least. Um, that's a word, right? Yeah, I will say they're great. at home. They could clinch five wins, which is they would get, have their season total go over, uh, which would be great. Ole Miss is the better team, I think, but Keyshawn Vaughn's kind of coming on. Kyle Shermer looked good against Missouri. Um, it's a team I feel like has been at least resilient with Vandy. I will say Vandy is favored by one point. There's a, um, like a, a lick your lips gif that gets thrown out there on Twitter. That's Keyshawn Vaughn right now looking at this <laughs> old Miss defense. I tell you Red what, Mamba. I'm, what I'm most excited about this week, Connor. What I'm absolutely most excited about is the man, the myth, the legend, Buckshot Calvert, takes liberty into Jordan Hare Stadium to play Auburn. Buckshot Calvert is one of the one of my favorite people. I think in American history, probably not just college football. Um, he's an incre- he's just incredible, incredible person. His name is Buckshot. Love it. We need to get him on the pod. You know what? Yeah, I'll reach out. Definitely. Just slide in those DMs. Um, let's let's end with it might mean too much. This 
I thought was gonna be a little bit better, I'll be honest. When I first saw the tweet that Texas A&M police threw out there saying that there was an injection in the press box, <laughs> I got really excited, really excited. <laughs> I'm thinking journalists are throwing fists. I'm thinking that, or throwing hands, whatever the kids say. Um, I'm thinking that this this is like great brawl between journalists. Instead, two, yeah, two athletic journalists. This was good, but I'll, throwing I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> this was good, not great. An Ole Miss fan was kicked out of the Texas A&M press box. By the way, Brent, uh, I'm going to botch this, Zwerneman, uh told the story. Lamical. Shared the story on Twitter. Zwerneman. Right, God knows it. Rosenberg. <laughs> so what happened was this Ole Miss fan was in the suites, but he wandered into the press box with his wife and his baby. Incredible. And he was the guy who did not understand press box etiquette, which is... Don't bring a tough. baby? <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Uh, don't bring a baby, don't bring your wife. But just, you know, talk at a pretty quiet volume and, you know, just, just kind of keep to yourself. You don't need to be... You're not a fan in the press box, like, yelling and going crazy just because it's, it's yeah. a working area, whatever. Um, so this guy was apparently talking super loud. And then when Ole Miss got this scoop and score, he let out a really loud whoop. I don't know what the whoop sounded like. I'm just basing this off of uh, Zornerman's tweets. We'll give it your best shot. What do you think it sounded like? Whoop! <laughs> yes! Something like that. Um, at least that's what I like to think. So the Texas A&M SID apparently comes over and he asks the guy, uh, he's like, who are you with? And the guy comes up with the response, I'm with me, which is all time one of my favorite responses I've ever heard to that question in any capacity, whether it's a cop saying it, whether it's an SID. I'm, <laughs> I'm with me. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. the Texas A&M police uh, who tweeted ejection from the press box uh, for the noise complaint, they apparently weren't even involved in arresting this guy or whatever it was they just you know they escorted him out which is that was the disappointing thing for me i wanted there to be a big scene but the guy saying i'm with me is is so if you if like why did you want to be in the press box go go in the luxury suites that that's that's the best way to, to do it obviously this guy didn't want to throw under the bus whoever it was let him into the press box or maybe he just snuck in i don't know but it, the whole thing reminds me, me if, if that scene from the movie Bridesmaids when she gets like somebody slips her like a pill for anxiety on the plane and she she gets all stay-at-home mom Chardonnay Xanax drunk and like just wanders into first class. It's like, you can't yep. be here, ma'am. He's like, oh, I can be here. Okay. What's your name? Stove? That's a stupid name. Like, I'm with me. <laughs> I'm ready to party. That was incredible. We've got seven five-star reviews. You... Y'all did, did some work. Yeah, that, I, and thank I'm you gonna so credit, much. We thank needed you, this week. really. We appreciate it. I'm going to credit to um, the 45-second little interlude where I reminded people to go <laughs> and give us a five-star review. During when your fire alarm was going off. If you gave us a five-star review during that moment or yeah. that was the, the kick in the pants you needed, um, thank you. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. We appreciate all these. We're, we're going to run through these. This one is from Brad P 32 uh, subject line, Chris Marler guilted me into this review, uh, but found it and the review says, but found it deserving since I actually love the pod. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Sorry for me. <laughs> um, I'll read this one. UCF is delusional uh, from Tiger. Number one, says, been listening for a while, but it's finally gratifying to hear more and more people tell it like it is. People on the UCF, uh, people on the UCF is delusional train need to be more vocal and crush their tiny insignificant dreams. You know, I agree. That's, that's something that we don't do enough is crushing tiny insignificant dreams to people. I, By the way, I I've just kind of dis 
I've just kind of decided that I'm going to play both sides as much as possible and just troll both sides of the argument. Oh my God. Just because I think it's really fun. Um, no, it's actually not. Like I said, Beetlejuice for Twitter. Don't do it. Terrible. Um, this one is from NTW14, subject Monday and Thursday drive to work. Makes me wish college football season was longer. Great content, guys. Weezer <laughs> remake of Africa got me pumped after the podcast. Hey, here's the good news. Even though after college football season, we're probably going to go back to once a week podcast, we're still going to have podcasts for you. So yeah. be excited for that. We're an all year round, 365, kind of. Okay, so this one is my favorite um, because I listened back to the podcast last week and I, I actually noticed this and I was like, what are you doing, Chris? So mm-hmm. from GTD Userman, he said, that being said, and as soon as I saw the subject line, I knew exactly what he was referencing to because I, I asked Allie, I was like, well, how many times did I say this? Chris and Connor are really entertaining guys who are really on top of not only the SEC, but all of college football. I always enjoy listening to their show and have written down some of Chris's comments to rehearse for future use. That being said, they say that being said too often, at least three times a podcast. <laughs> Laugh out loud funny, Coach O slays me. You couldn't be more spot on and honest, and I'm going to do the opposite of Felipe Franks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. I, that is something yes. I did incorrectly. Also, Connor, I apologize to you, because when he said they say that being said too often, I didn't mean to drag you into that. That's just me. I think I say that every once in a while, too. I have a lot of things that I say far too often. Like uh, I always say, let me preface this by saying. Humble um, brag. Humble brag, sick brag. Sick brag. Uh, this is from Schuler82, fire drill. <laughs> so this is definitely from from uh, the, the little interlude from yeah from the fire drill. I'll tell Yuns one thing. Uh, I'm going to sleep better tonight knowing old Marler's apartment complex is up to date on fire alarm checks. Keep up the fun football talk. Go raging Ed O's. Get back on track after the tide. Put a hurting on you. But check your Chinese calendars, my friends, because it's the year of the hairy bulldogs. Go dogs. I don't think it is the year. That's, I haven't been to a Chinese restaurant in a while, but is he, he correct? I'm going to... Until somebody tells me he's not correct, I'm going to assume he's correct. I think that's a probably... That's, that's good. You know, they have one of those years, like the year of the rat. That's a, that's a sad year to have to get through. Yeah, but regardless, that's a that's a great five star review. Thank makes you. Makes the sir. other years makes the other years so great though. That is also true. Um, all right, this one from Ryan T forty three, the best podcast from the best conference, best podcast covering SEC football. Started listening this past year and I can't get enough of it. Not only are Chris and Connor hilarious, but their deceitful knowledge on all things SEC football has one aided me in my gambling picks this year, and two nice. aided me in me winning dumb bets related to irrelevant stats with my friends on game day. Has anyone ever seen Chris and the Rain Man in the same room? I always tune into the Sunday show when I'm finishing up my household chores on Sunday evening. Uh, Stay in your apartments, guys. (laughs) 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 And my wife even tunes in to the Wednesday shows for the fourth and wrong, and it might mean too much. Keep up the good stuff and roll tide. Thank you so much, Ryan. That's, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. I apologize, guys, for the fire alarm, but thank you so much for being concerned for my safety. We just want to hear that you that you survived. It was it was a tough forty five seconds. It was a very trying time. It went on for like fifteen minutes in real life. I know, but it was forty five seconds of airtime, so that's mm. all that really mattered. Uh, this last one is from I'm not even gonna try and pronounce this because there's not enough vowels. Do it. You me. can do this. Lamb. Uh, this is A S D F G Y R R W W. Okay. Uh, subject line: Big fan. Big fan of these guys. Gets me through my long days at work. Big Kentucky fan, love hearing about the SEC as a whole. Look forward to Sundays and Wednesdays to be able to listen in. I'm sorry, Kentucky fans. Hopefully this made your day a little bit better. I know it's rough, but hey, basketball season. No, you got an entire no, year. no, Connor. Football season. They can still go 9-3. and three. This is going to be a great year. They're going to get to double-digit wins. 
You're right, you're right, you're right. I stand corrected. Yeah. Make sure you're watching Facebook Live as our great five-star viewers said. Make yourself some money with a good old Uncle Chris. Monday nights, 8.30, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Follow us on Instagram, at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter, at the SDS Pod, at CMarlerSDS, at CJ O'Gara. Coach O, you are no longer hungover, so you have the energy to say the most important words. Oh, yeah, I shade those points. I mean, it, it just means too much. Whoa. Whoa. It Big might mean too much, Tom. Talk to you Wednesday. <laughs>